friends, please stand with us and let's worship together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. We will sing joy. Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff in the session here at First Pres. And I'm so glad to welcome y'all this morning, this third Sunday in Advent, as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus together. And for some of us in this room, we we do. We have in this third week of Advent the joy, singing joy to the world. But I also know that this season for some can be really hard. 
Uh, it's a reminder maybe of the people that you loved who aren't here anymore. And so this morning, we're actually at the end of the service going to have a really special time where we can say the names of those who we love who who have died and aren't here with us, who we remember and we love, and we get to celebrate them in that. And uh, for some of us, also, we know about the tragedy that took place uh, this Friday, the car accident at Beta Bay and Lois, and some of us who knew the families of uh, the teenagers who were involved. We just, our hearts are heavy in this community uh, for the young man, Ben, who died, and for Taylor, who is still in critical condition. And so, uh, while we do, we celebrate together, um, we also really hold on to the hope and the peace of Jesus that is real and active um, for people who need to cling to him during the season. So uh, with that in mind, would you all pray with me? God, we, um, we know that there's a lot of things that are heavy on our hearts this morning. And so specifically, God, we pray for Ben Francis's family. Um, as he died in that motorcycle accident on Friday. And God, we pray uh, for Taylor Caloris, Jesus, for your mighty hand to touch her body and to heal her. Lord, we pray for her parents, Alexa and Ryan, for her siblings, Ty and Tatum. Jesus, that you would just surround their family in a supernatural way, that you would carry them through this tragedy. Jesus, that um, Lamentations reminds us that your mercies are new every morning, and they need those fresh every morning. Jesus, we have other people who need you. For Todd Britton's father, who's in the hospital with terminal cancer, Jesus, would you draw close to Leonard? Would you just help him to know that you're right there with him? For Katie Podolsky's mom, Deborah, who was just diagnosed with colon cancer, God, for this scary news, um, as they walk forward, next steps, Lord, would you give them wisdom? For Karen Berry's father, who's been in the hospital with health issues also, God, if you would just lift him up, that you would heal him, that you would bring them peace. For Joanne Harvey, who's in the hospital and recovering now at home uh, with health issues, Jesus, we just love Joanne. We love her spirit and her heart, and we just pray that you would give her um, the rest that she needs to heal. For Scott Dollar and the loss of his mother this week, God, um, another one of our dear friends, Scott, and just as he grieves his mom, Jesus, would you just draw close to him. But then, God, we also have things that we are so grateful for. We've got baptisms this morning that we're going to be celebrating, just little lives placed in your arms, Jesus. Thank you for them. And also for the birth of Chris and Kristen Boylan's twin baby girls, Brenly and Grayson. Uh, Jesus, for these sweet little girls that you would just um, bring their family uh, special first moments together. Um, Lord, we love you. Uh, we give you this morning, and we give you our hearts. Amen. Amen. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you, McLean. We love the building, the beauty, the place of our previous church in downtown Tampa, so much so that First Pres member Meg Britton hand-painted a picture of our downtown church, and we had them made into ornaments for you. And we're going to be selling them at cost 
They're just $10 each. They have scripture on the back, and we believe that they will forever be a reminder to you of God's faithfulness to us as a church. You can buy one right after church at the back of the room, and Tony Haroon will be happy to sell that to you via Venmo and all kinds of ways that you can manage that. This morning also, uh, we have two wish lists. They're in your seats. And these two wish lists represent personal relationships. The first one is a personal relationship that we have with women that we are seeking to reach who have been exploited in the sex industry in Tampa through the ministry of Created. We're partnering with them. And our hope is that if you're willing to fulfill this wish list, which is very simple, and take it to Liz Anderson's home, this is a way that we can make sure that these women know that they are known by us and loved by us and by Jesus. The second wish list are those we have a personal relationship of men and women who are homeless on the streets in Tampa. And these men and women are also cherished by God and us, but we want to make sure they know it. And all you have to do is drop off some food into a basket on Dana Andrews' front porch starting today through Friday so that we can have a very special gathering for them this next Saturday morning. Again, we want to make sure that they know that they are known and loved by us and by Jesus. And lastly, on Sunday morning, January 9th, instead of being the church in here, we're going to be the church out there that morning in the community as the hands and feet of Jesus, serving individuals and agencies like the Children's Cancer Center, allowing moms and dads to leave their children into our care that morning so that they can get a much-deserved break to go have lunch or just hang out and just rest. It's also an opportunity to express our love and appreciation to the police department by washing their cars and serving them lunch and so many other men and women and agencies that we get to serve with the love and generosity of Jesus. We want you to sign up for a project that makes your heart beat and you will find one on our website. It's up, it's ready for you to sign up. You can find a project that's kiddo friendly. You can find a project that you can invite friends to be a part of or just you, but we want you to sign up so that we just impact our city with the love and goodness of Jesus. This morning, we also have the privilege of celebrating baptism with one of our families. And so the family that we're celebrating is the Albany family, and Sarah and Michael are going to bring forward their two little girls, Elle and little baby Kate. And as they come forward, I want to welcome all the grandparents. Karen Foster is here. Dad is, uh, Matt is online with us. And then we have um, Rachel and Tom Albany, grandparents also, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins. And also, Sarah's brother James is online with us all the way from Wisconsin. He happens to be one of the godfathers. He and Nick Albany are the godfathers for little Elle. And if you all will all start coming forward as I'm saying all this. And then Kimberly and Michael Hendy are the godparents for little Kate. And you all come on up too.
My turn? Yeah. So Kathy and I have been friends with this family for a long time, mm -hmm. since birth. And son Reed grew up with Michael, and we've been doing this together a long mm -hmm. time now, haven't we? Yeah. It also turns out to be that Rachel, the grandmother of these babies, is the sister of Lee, and Lee happens to be the mother of my daughter-in-law. <laughs> Woo! Do not miss this. <laughs> and they happen to also be, she happens to be the mother of my grandson who's sitting right here. So we're connected in ways that are just so rich. And so we have all these families together. Uh-oh, we lost one. <laughs> and that's all I want to say this morning. As you think about your own covenant vow with the almighty God of the universe, whom we know in Jesus, renew your vow, even as today together we pledge to help this family grow in faith so that their home would be the center of faith and church and friendships would be an auxiliary to that. That's what we're going to hope for for all of us, but particularly now, renew your vow, even as we help these folks grow into a life of faith with us. Okay, Grandmother Rachel, little Elle looks like you when she's crying. <laughs> I just need to say, I just was so stunned <laughs> as I was looking over, but... Um, so Michael and Sarah, as you bring your girls this morning, and don't you worry, this is all a part of it. Um, as you bring them forward for baptism, do you claim that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. And will you promise to teach the girls about Jesus, read scripture to them, pray with them and pray for them? If so, say we will with God's help. We will with God's help. <laughs> Don't need that. <laughs> and guess what? All of you are actually godparents. You all are. And that's why I'm asking, as, as a church, will you come around this family with your love and support so that little Elle and little Kate will one day be able to say that Jesus is their Lord and Savior for themselves? If so, say we will. Okay. Oh! <laughs> Lost one. Okay, I'm going to see if she'll, if she'll let me hold her. Do you want to go to Kathy? Do you want to come with me? Let's splash the water, okay? Let's splash the water. Okay? Right there. Just, there you go. Elizabeth James Albany, daughter of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One more splash. Yeah. Let's see what happens with your sister. You want to watch? Let's watch. Let's watch what happens. Kate Gabriel. Uh-oh. <laughs> Kate Gabriel Albany, daughter of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so Kathy and I are going to come step right up here on the front so I usually like to give some sports and metaphors this, these little girls father's really good at lacrosse offensive he could score and so we just want you to, to enjoy your mommy and your daddy. We want all of us to just love on this family and these little girls in such a way that they become outstanding followers of Jesus. What do you say? You like that? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, you go back to your mommy now. I don't. 
And as they go back to mommy, daddy, I see some of you standing in the back. There are four seats right here, four seats right here. They're all, they all have your name on them. I would invite you to, when everybody stands, which is right now, you can, without being seen, come to get to these seats right here. So stand up so they won't feel so exposed and then come have a seat. And actually, you're standing for something I get to say. They found their seats. Would you be seated? That was just a really nice thing, Fitz. We're here to take care of you. No embarrassments ever. Friends, if you're anything like me, I absolutely love to buy Christmas gifts for family members and friends because I love them so much. And I want it to be a moment, an opportunity to express my love for them. Well, y'all, Jesus felt the same way when he said in Matthew 7, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? And this morning, of course, we've been celebrating and asking about giving good gifts for the foster children uh, on the angel tree, for women being exploited in the sex industry just blocks from here, and for the, the men and women who are homeless on our streets. These are the people whose hearts the Lord has been hearing. They've been asking, and the Lord has heard them. And he's using you and me to give his good gifts to his precious children. Here are five ways that you and I can continue to be a conduit of the Heavenly Father giving his gifts to those who ask. And there's also a generosity box in the back of the room if you prefer to use that. Thank you with all of my heart. Thank you. 
your name for this gift, this gift of your son that is a result of unfathomable love. And Lord, we just, as we get through this Christmas even, we remember this gift. We are thankful for it. And we look forward to your return. It's in these things that we pray. Amen. Top five favorite Christmas movies, Christmas Vacation. Don't tell me that Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. It is. But, and that's on my top five list, but Christmas Vacation. You remember the scene. They're gathered in Clark W. Griswold Jr.'s living room, and he's received the gift from the courier who knocks on the front door, hands it to him, and he opens it up, and it's not the bonus he was expecting. It's a membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. And you may remember what Cousin Eddie says. Do you remember? You do. Clark, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And Clark says back, yes, Edward, that it is. Meanwhile, Eddie realizes he's messed up badly, so he goes and fetches Frank Shirley, the cheapskate who gave him Jelly of the Month Club, instead of the bonus that he was expecting, on which he made a deposit on the swimming pool. So he's in big trouble. So we're thinking about gifts that we want and gifts that we don't want. And so I hope you can see over here at this tree, I have some gifts. There may be things in there we want. There may be things in there that we don't want. And you're, you and I are right now thinking about giving gifts, and we want to give gifts that people want, and we don't want to get gifts that we don't want. And Clark did not want a membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Now, did he? He needed the bonus. That story turns out pretty good, though. Clark did not give back the gift. In fact, Mr. Shirley, with Cousin Eddie kicking him behind, gave him the bonus plus, I guess, 10% more. He does something like that. So we're in for a bonus this morning, this season. That's what's going to happen to us. It's about gift giving and gift receiving. And you and I here as we sit together in this room and think about the meaning of Christmas, think about Advent, the word that means coming or waiting for it to come. And we have this series and we're calling it Waiting Here for You. And this morning, if we could, I want to underline that with sort of a sub idea, holding on to hope. This is where we're going to see the gift of God really come through strong for us. How can we lean into and learn to live so as to be people who hold on to hope? And that's what we want to try to do this morning. First, though, I thought I ought to talk, say a couple of things about what hope is not. You with me? Here's what hope isn't. Hope is not wishful thinking, or even you could call it magical thinking. And what that is is that I'm just going to, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and keep working really hard at golf, take lessons, practice, and get to scratch. And Lumpy's already waving his head. Ain't going to happen. See, the thing is, is I could, I could wishfully think that I could be a scratch golfer all I want to, but, you know, we just have personal limitations. So there are circumstances sometime about wishful thinking that get canceled wishful thinking and also just limitations of who you are. So I could want to be a really competitive golfer. It's just not ever going to happen. Don't misunderstand me. I won't quit trying, but I'm simply no good. 
That's wishful thinking. That is not what we're talking about. We're holding on to hope. We're not talking about wishful thinking. Here's another thing we're not talking about. We're not talking about blind optimism. Nothing wrong with optimism. And there's certainly nothing wrong with me wishing I could be a better golfer. But optimism that's blind ignores realities, difficulties, looks through things with rose-colored glasses, and pretends that things that are aren't, and just keeps plowing ahead. And optimism is a fine thing, except for when it's blind. And, but that's not what we're talking about either. When we're in this room, as followers of Jesus together, talking about holding on to hope, we're not talking about wishful thinking, magical thinking, we're not talking about blind optimism, and we're also not talking about personal dreams. So you might have a personal dream. Let's think about career. And this is what you want to do, and you work really hard, and good for you. Except something could happen, circumstances that you have no control over, and that dream might not be possible anymore. So yes, we should have dreams, and we work hard for them, and good for us. However, when we're talking about being Jesus followers, none of those things, good or not so good sometimes, none of those are what we're talking about when we say hope. What we're talking about when we say hope is that life, all reality, is linked directly to the resurrection of Jesus. Everything about hope means all of who we are is linked to the resurrection of Jesus. And here's what the writer of a book in the New Testament, a letter called Hebrews says, we have this hope, that is the resurrection of Jesus, and then the metaphor, watch it carefully, as an anchor for our soul. So you might be wishing, you might be dreaming, you might have optimistic ideas, and those are all fine and good. But the only thing on which our reality can be based and on which we can have hope is the resurrection of Jesus, and that's our anchor line to which we can depend, on which we can depend. Here's, Here's a great way of saying that. Our hope is only as good as what it's anchored to. That's tweetable. Our hope is only as good as what it's anchored to. We're anchored followers of Jesus. We're anchored to the resurrection. So we know whatever else, we can hold on to that. If you are a person who isn't a follower of Jesus and you're just wondering, then then do this. Think about ways in which you might have come to depend on things other than this ultimate reality, which is the resurrected Jesus and the love that God has and has demonstrated in it. Think about the ways that maybe some of the stuff you've built your life on, followers of Jesus and others, and maybe it doesn't come through. Maybe it disappoints. Some of the gifts that we want aren't really going to deliver everything that we built up and hoped for in them. But we have this hope. It's an anchor for our soul, and it's about the resurrection of Jesus. And so I wanted to pause and just say something about the tragedy that McLean has mentioned. Um, and it, literally this morning, I was walking Tally, my dog, and I was in tears because this happened just around the corner from where Kathy and I live and around the corner from where McLean lives and lots of us, literally around the corner, three blocks away, we could see the tape when the police marked it off. And this morning, driving by, the Channel 8 news people were there, and there were four or five or six teenagers over on the northeast corner, and there was a flowers and a cross and stuff coming up. 
Uh, by the way, there is a, if you would like to pray for all of this, the devastation in several families, the family of Ben Francis, the 16-year-old or 17-year-old plant junior who was killed, and we're, we're praying for Taylor Kalouris, whose mom Alexa and stepdad Ryan Parker are in the midst of this thing, and she just each hour, just seeing if she's going to be okay. And she has head injuries and lots of broken bones. Tonight at 7 at Palmasia Presbyterian Church, which is where uh, this, this family, the Taylor, Taylor's family is a part of it. If you would like to go there and pray, they're having a prayer vigil. So P- Palmasia Prez is across the street from Plant High School on Himes Avenue. Front door of Plant, Palmasia right across the street. Anyway, part of what I just don't know how to stand and talk about anything this morning was just saying even, even now we hold on. Alexa, the mom, was, was met with some friends yesterday at the hospital as all kinds of stuff is going on, and they prayed, and Alexa was able to at least a little bit attach herself to these Christian friends who were there. And, oh, uh, I mean, we're, if there's nothing we can say. And this morning, it turns out that we're going to remember people who are, who are no longer with us. And that's just what we were already scheduled to do. So part of what we say is that, oh, sometimes life is really hard. It's really hard, and we just have to hang on. And you can smile and cry at the same time. And I'm a feeler, so I have been in and out of tears several times this morning. I was standing in the back as we were singing a couple of songs ago when McLean was giving the announcement, and one of the friends of Alexa, the mom, was in tears, and I heard the tears, and I was in tears. So this is all a part of what it means to be. Here's what we know. Our hope is anchored in the resurrection, and we will live forever. And it's just terrible, devastating, and yet we're going to keep going because God is good, and this stuff happens. It's just an awful, devastating tragedy, an accident. And that's what we're diving into. We're going to dive into a text where... It's the Christmas season in the Gospel of Matthew. A gospel is kind of a biography, so there's four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and each one of them sort of watching the life of Jesus from a slightly different angle. And here we go into Matthew chapter 2, and what I want to tell you is this. Matthew, is t- this is maybe one of the most difficult chapters in the entire Bible. You and I in the Christmas season, we have sort of uh, cleaned up Christmas. We've sanitized it, and I'm not saying this critically. It just is what we've done. This is a very, very difficult and tragedy-filled moment in God's history with us in and around the details, in and around the birth of Jesus. And that's what we're going to see today. I want you to be looking, as I read and talk about it, look for darkness. Look for difficulty. Look even for evil. Because it's in there. And yet, The Messiah shows up right in the middle of all of it. So we hold on to hope, which means we're holding on to Jesus because nothing else can anchor our soul. So look at this, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read 10 or 15 verses of it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just a little village, maybe 10 miles south, south, uh, west of Jerusalem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, So let's just stop and talk about King Herod in darkness. He was loathsome. He was a very bad man. Evil. 
and threatened by anybody and anything that might possibly be looking to take his place in his posture, his position. Herod. This is reasonably reliable history. Herod murdered three of his sons and his favorite wife because he sensed a threat that maybe they were going to try to take him out and take over. This is a horrendously bad human being. And everybody who was concerned with the birth of the Messiah knew it. And all the people reading Mark's, Matthew's gospel 70, 75, 80, 30, or 40 years after all this, all of them knew this about Herod. It's all I have to say is Saddam Hussein. And you're with me. See, we miss it because we just don't know the details. Oh, these are dark days with this guy. It's not all happy. So Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem during Judea, during the time of Herod, Matthew wants you and me to start clicking in to the context into which hope is born. That's what Matthew wants us to do. So let's do that. Watch what happens. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So you, you think of magi, wise men, kings, we three kings, the Lord and our, you know, that's what we do, right? So here, who are these guys? Well, the first thing is it's pretty clear that they're affluent because they have the ability to not be working and to take this trip. The second thing is, is they are people who have the ability in life not to have to do manual labor every day to eat, but they have the time and the, the place in life to be able to study the stars and what's going on. It's almost like holy men slash philosophers, and there was a sense of royalty to their position. So that's why you get king and magi and wise men, all that. kind. So that's who these guys are. And the other thing that's important is they came probably from way over to the east in modern-day Iran and Iraq. It's a long trip, and they're not Jewish. That's important because the Jewish folks are waiting on for Messiah, but apparently you don't have to be Jewish to benefit from the hope that gets born into the world. You and I are really glad about that. Outsiders are welcome. So in come these, so you can see in all your little crazy scenes that you have, you know, you got the magi, you got camels, you got donkeys, you got a baby, you got wise men, you got shepherds, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Well, pull it apart a little bit. It's okay that we do that, but it took these boys a while to get there. So this didn't happen the morning after. You know what I'm saying? I don't know when it happened. It could have been months because it's a long trip. Anyway, here they are. During the time of the, the East came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? They know enough because they're watching to know that the people of Israel are hoping. Here's what I think they are. They are people who have a sense of God and are looking for a more complete answer. How many of us right now in the room want a more complete answer? How many of us who are online maybe want a more complete answer? Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, we want a better, a fuller, more complete answer. And that's what we're finding out. That's why we had to start with the resurrection. This is the answer we're looking for. So on we go in Matthew's text. The, they go and we saw this star. And they're somehow like astrologers or whatever. And, and it rose and we've come to worship him, pay uh, homage to him, give obeisance to him, etc. So Herod, you could even go, when I say Herod, you could go boo. Herod, yeah, good. Herod hears this and he's disturbed, no kidding. Herod has his own royal succession plan, and it ain't this one. King, Herod's, I'm in charge of the next king, nobody else. He's deeply threatened and willing to do anything. 
dark days in and around the people of Israel, in and around Jerusalem and Bethlehem. He's disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. I think that means all of the leadership. When he had called together all the people, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born because he knew that they would have had a, a, a way of understanding where the Messiah is going to be com coming from. So we keep reading. The answer, where is the Messiah going to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, which has already taken place. And, for, and this is what the prophet had written. But to you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. So this is like this. If you have go to the state capital, Tallahassee, go south a little bit, you got a little old town called Crawfordville. You've never heard of it. It's a little old nothing. But Crawfordville, you're going to be big in the great scheme of things because that's what this is saying. So we have a little town... Bethlehem, but you're, Bethlehem, you think you're a little nothing, but guess what? The Messiah is coming for you, and that's sort of what's happening here, and it, it was predicted 700 years earlier. That's what all the... Matthew wants Jewish people to know this is God keeping his promises because Matthew's quoting promises made hundreds of years prior. So only go least among rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler. Watch what the ruler's going to do. On whom or in what will you anchor your hope? Watch what this ruler is going to do. Shepherd my people. Doesn't feel like the shepherds are very good right now because Herod is an evil beast. But there's one coming who will take good care of his sheep. Jesus' followers were sheep. And Jesus is taking care of us. And we have this hope anchored and our soul, the hope of the resurrection. Whatever comes, dark days then, darkness in some of our lives now, the good shepherd will come through. And on Matthew goes, Herod, very good. Herod called the Magi secretly. He's duplicitous, Herod is. He calls them secretly and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Yeah, right. It's not what he has in mind. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... Look at what these wise men, these magi, these royal figures, these holy men, look what they are. When they find a more complete answer, they're overjoyed. Coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him, and they opened their treasures, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, they had the ability to make those kinds of expensive gifts, and there they are giving them to this new king. And having been warmed in a dream, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route, another route. Do you ever sense God trying to nudge you or direct you when you're in your dreams? Some of us have learned to trust only science, what I can see, smell, taste, hear, and measure. And that's fine, and that is a way we get to truth. But I think that God nudges us in ways that don't like, kind of make all the science sense. And I would invite you to be a person that might be a person that God speaks to in dreams. It's really important in this story, and it's important in the lives of many Jesus followers today. Just go with Kathy to Africa. 
Those folks check with each other regularly. Has God spoken to you in your dreams recently? So it, it's, not, it's, it's a way for God to get our attention. So here we have a dream helping these folks to know what to do. So they go another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. When? In a dream. Get up, Joseph. Get out of here. Take this kid and his mother, skedaddle, Egypt. Joseph is also warned in a dream to escape harm by getting out of Bethlehem and going south. It's about 350 miles, I think. Stay there, says the messenger, the, the angel, until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child. Herod, well, I said Herod. Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, I, I said, let's think about darkness. Let's think about tragedy. But here we've added evil. This is positively evil, and that's what's going on. So Joseph gets up, takes the child and his mother, and during the night, Mary and Joseph leave, and literally, as they walk in the darkness, holding on to hope. They're holding on to him, and off they go to a place that would previously have been very unsafe. It's where all the people of Israel hundreds of years before were enslaved and oppressed. Now it's a place of safety politically, and they can go there. And guess what? You know what you can do with gold and frankincense and myrrh? Cash it in and pay for the trip. There's provision in this darkness. There's a way out where there seems to be no way. There's a bad gift of Herod and his threatening murderous plans and out we go the other side and we find out that hope still wins the day during the night they and I'm, and so it was fulfilled um, thank you um, uh, <laughs> I stopped in the middle of uh, we need to go back can you go back thank you so he get up and he takes a child with him at night and they and look where he stays he stays until Egypt until Herod dies. I knew I wasn't going to have to coach you on that. <laughs> I hope you're cheering at home. Man, he's a bad guy. So we finish, we finish Matthew's text this way. And so was fulfilled. And again, all of this is promised ahead of time because God is a promise keeper. God's going to give us a way out. God is going to bring hope and hope is going to be a person. And that person is going to live and die and live again. And we're going to anchor our lives in the hope, which is the resurrection. Our hope is only worth what it's anchored to. And we're anchoring our lives in the truth of Jesus and his love. That's what we're doing. So, so out of Egypt, said the prophet Micah, 700 years prior, out of Egypt, I called my son. I have a couple of ways of saying, I have five fours for you, but not the number four. F-O-R. You ready? Here's the first one. Jesus is here for the whole journey. Jesus is with us for the whole journey. And what I mean by that is people may feel forgotten, but we're not. We may right now today be dealing with issues and we may think there's, God is absent. He's not. Here's what God says about himself. This is from Psalm 139, just verse 1 and verses 7 and 8. You have searched me, Lord, 
and you know me. That's verse 1. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Hold on to hope, friends, even when you think God is not present and doesn't know you're around. That's the first four. The second four is this. Jesus is here for you to draw near. And what we mean by that is this. You haven't been through anything he hasn't been through. Remember all the darkness we're talking about. What happened to Jesus? He was alienated. He was beaten. He was crucified. He's been there. There's nothing in in the evil or in the accidental that he hasn't been through. So we're reminded of that in this same book of Hebrews I quoted earlier. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. We don't have a high priest that is a Messiah who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And that's verse 15 and 14. So verse 15, 16 says that let each of us then approach God's throne of grace. Let us approach this person of hope so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's, the, that's who we have, a person who's been inviting us to come near to him. That's the second four. The third four is this. Jesus is here for his glory and for your good. We like to say it this way around here. It's not about us, but it's for us. It's about God. And what we want to understand and remember there is that God has a big plan, and sometimes we can't see it. And if you think Joseph and Mary knew as they're walking through the darkness what God's big plan was, they didn't. And I I don't know what God is up to with some of the horrible and difficult things that happened today and yesterday and Friday. I don't know. But we will hold on. We're going to hold on to Jesus because, friends, here's the truth. When it gets really, really hard out there, people around need to see us holding on to hope, even when there appears to be none. It's a way that we can be participating and helping other people be loved. That's the third one. The fourth one is Jesus is here for every battle, not just a few battles. The battle started in the page three when the man and the woman hid because they had broken the covenant. They're hiding. And you know what God does? Goes after them. He doesn't sit back and hope they get it right. He goes looking for them. Where are you? And they say, we're hiding. He's pursuing us. That's the fourth four. The fifth one is this. Jesus is here for everyone. Don't count yourself out. You can't out him. You can't outspend him. You, can't, you just can't outrun him. He's here for all of us. And so what we want to do is finish this way. I want, to, I want you to take your eye back over to these gifts. You might want some of them. You might not. Cousin Eddie manages to take Jelly of the Month Club and turn it into the same bonus that was promised plus 10%. And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to not pay attention to these that are under the trees. That's not it at all. Pray for me as I go up the ladder. What I want you to do, I know you can't see me, but you will be able to see me in a minute.
Here's what we do, friends. We take our eyes off of the underneath the tree. Put your eyes on that star. Anchor your life in hope that's linked to the resurrection. That's what this season is about. Evil and darkness, happiness, birth, baptism, wedding, tragedy. That's what we do. And there's no easy way to do what we're going to do next other than just to do it because we're going to be asking ourselves to remember now things that are difficult. And Kathy and I, she's going to start at the back of the room, and I'm going to step down and come to the front. And we're just going to simply ask you to stand and say the name of someone who you're remembering. And then I'm going to say the name where Kathy is over the microphone so everybody can hear it. And some of you may want to just text me. So I have my phone ready to receive your text if that's what you want to do. Anchored in the resurrection, let us remember folks who are no longer with us. And we'll start at the front and work our way back. And Kathy will start at the back. And so anybody want me to remember somebody out loud? Richard and Virginia Foster. Tom and Francis Evans. Herman Fitzgerald and Janet Russo. Don Martin. Arturo Valenti. Maureen Lewis and Annette Monroe. Maureen Lewis and former choir director Annette Monroe. Brian Pennington. Mm. Randy Stigelman and James Owen. I'm getting lit up with text messages, which is good. Kathy? Mike Campbell. Mike Campbell. Let me stay here just for a second, Kat, and go through some of the text messages. Is that okay? Ben Francis, the hot plant soft junior who was killed Friday. Joan and Tommy Thomas. Bob Murray. Y'all ready for a little joke? Jo I'm not going to say his name, but his initials are Justin Treese. He just sent me a text saying, your star is crooked. <laughs> Teresa, are you in here, knucklehead? Randy Zambito. Matthew Snook's father. Martha Cooper Maddox, David Maddox's mom. Jay Wilson. Bob, Kristen, Edward, Eduardo, and Eddie Fueo. Those are the family of... Um, Elizabeth and Rick Fuel. I have my new phone. Let me get it back. Carlin Car Bullock. Susan Smith. Marlene. Michael's sister. Uh, Marlene um, Benson. And Joe Carinante. Patricia Thomas. Patricia Thomas. Patricia Thomas. Kathy Case. <coughs> Kathy, more? Yeah. Susan Stokes. Jimmy Floto. 
Denise Martin, Denise Garcia Martin. Joseph Giovenko. Sydney Grace Cayley. Ernie Carlton, Grandpa Ernie Carlton, Betty and Lamar Glisson, Bill Kohler, Mike Reynolds and Linda Marrero, Carol Sweeney, Mike Sweeney's mom, Joan and Dan Fields, Dan's George Bumbry. Lewis Hill. Eba or Eba Godin. Dorothy Wyatt. Cassandra Eva. Coney. Eva Lackey. John Lastra. Yvette Morgan Carver. Joan and Tommy Thomas. Jackie Godin. Ed Evans. Joy Bell. Robin Boylan. Kit McClellan. Ken Kohler. Rob Menendez and Becky. Uh, Walker. Billy and Betty Anderson. Carolyn Yvonne Roberts. Anastasia Garcia. Bill and Janine Podolsky. Ben Francis. Charlie and Dorothy Leveroni. Bippy Willis. Kaylin Canella. John Richardson, Jim and Ora Haroon, from Al Miller, Dory, Sharon Davis's mom, Mimi, and her father, Lee, Dave Corey's sister, Pam.
Dan Parks from North Carolina asked us to remember his parents. And now we will light a candle instead of of dozens, we light one candle or two representing all of our hearts. As Roger lights this candle, we want to remember that even as we thank God for these men and women and children that we've lost and we grieve them, we hold on to hope because we're anchored in the resurrection of Jesus, which means we have reunion. We have reunion with them. So please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the hope that you give us that is real, a hope that is reunion grounded in your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that we can hold on to you just like Mary and Joseph did, even in these moments that are so tender and so hard. We're so grateful for this hope. In your loving name we pray, amen. And now we just want you to stand and sing. Fill your heart with hope as you sing these final words this morning. See you.